Welcome back to the Free Mind Podcast, everybody. Well, my wonderful wife is back with me in the saddle tonight for this episode. Um, You know, I thought for this one, I just wanted to kind of jump in. We were having a conversation just a couple days ago. Yes, you and I. And so I'm kind of outing you here. But I told, (laughs) I told, I told you what I was going to do on the podcast topic. You you were like again, and so you know it made me. What did I say? How did I say it? You said again, like you know, like. (laughs) It's time to move on, Bishop. And so um, it made me think of something, though. You know, sometimes when you're in into something like a world or like a, a, a debate or something like that, you sometimes forget that things that you take for granted of why things matter are going to matter the same to everybody else. And you even think it probably should matter to everybody else, depending on what it is and, and how deep you are in it. But but you do kind of forget, like, to walk people into the why. Why should I care kind of kind of moment. True. And I have noticed that our, that our streams and listens have went down <laughs> as of late in this topic. So I think that what you were saying represents probably some of the listeners, like, what they're thinking, too. Like, man, why are you guys beating this topic to death? Have I accurately represented you uh you know you want to defend yourself 70 percent no i was just making mention of the circles that i walk in yeah i don't hear this topic at all and i just like what where is this demographic of people who are discussing this if you yeah is it the twitter wars and is it the reform community and all but i know it's important i just never hear it brought up you're like is it that important to stick on this for so many and I think it's a fair question, and I do want to kind of give like an apology, or not an apology, like apology. a defense, like yeah. apologetics apology, for why I'm I'm driving this point home. Sometimes things that don't like they seem just like these kind of ideological um, niche items. Um, that there are times when I feel like. You have I, I get this insight like this thing is going to be really important in this next season. And I sure. do think I could be wrong about this, but I think the relationship of theology and the state oh boy. is is that thing. And I think that um, it's broader than just Christian nationalism. It is the idea. It, and, and I was thinking about about this also, like they shut the nation down mm-hmm. like these jokers shut churches down. They shut the nation down for like a year. Unless you were in a red state, right? And even then, they shut those down for months. Yeah. Like the 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 gauntlet has already been thrown. Like we we've already kind of like we we are living in conquered territory. Somebody said this the other day. I think it was uh, Doug Wilson. He said every time you see a rainbow flag, that's conquered territory. Like it's another worldview. It's another nation. It's another um, another entire way of thinking that has come in, and they've they've. Like that's what you do with a flag. You wave a flag to say this is this this is under the banner of this. Mm-hmm. And when you understand um, the woke ideology and critical theory and its in its rootedness in Marxism and its attempt mm-hmm. to overthrow capitalism and Christianity, you realize that it's fundamentally at, at odds with the founding of this nation. In that sense, 
they have like won the day, the megaphone, they have the megaphones, they, they are pushing this agenda. And, you know, I was looking at this just the other, the other day, the guy that we just had on, um, Josh Dawes for our last podcast, he posted this, he said, um, someone at church told me her granddaughter studying education in college, studying education in college has 10 to 20 points deducted from her assignments if they are missing her pronouns. The next generation of teachers is being thoroughly indoctrinated to indoctrinate your kids. You aren't prepared enough. And so, you know, just a minute ago we were fighting about racism. How, How fast did it shift into the transgender thing? And then how fast is it going to the plus of LGBTQ now, which people are talking about pedophilia? And, you know, it's like, I think that that we get lulled into sleep. We forget what's happened in the past three years if we're not careful. And we we think that, man, okay, things are kind of getting back to normal if we're not really watching. But things aren't getting back to normal. Now it's being codified. It's being put into law. And it's being, all these things are being set up. And what are we going to do this next time? We had so many churches that were shutting down and claiming Romans 13, right? Because we had lost the like public theology, we lost our understanding of the, the relationship between the church and the civil government. And so I think the reason this topic has really become so popular in its... I don't think it's reaching the layperson yet in, in the language of it. Like, you right, know, I'll talk to my dad and, and, and you're right. Like, he's like, I'd never heard of Christian nationalism. Like, what's that? You know, but the, the concepts that are under the umbrella that's being debated will impact everybody in the pew and already have, really. And I think the people in the pews, by and large, get it better than Big Eva gets it on these topics. They know something has to be done. But there has to be leadership that gives the clear trumpet blast to say, here's what we're doing, here's where we're going, here's where we're at. And so these discussions and these debates surrounding this topic that have broken out in the last couple weeks is the attempt to say, here we are on the map and here's where we need to go. And we have to decide that now because the enemy has already attacked and really taken over in a way. We're trying to gain some of that ground back, but there's coming another wave right? Mm-hmm. I think we haven't seen the end. Like the, this totalitarian takeover has not been completed yet. We know the the goal of the 2030 agenda with the WEF and all that. They're, they're relentless in their pursuit of completely taking over, eradicating, throwing off the chains of capitalism, Christianity, so they can create this utopia. They're going to use all the useful idiots they can in and outside of the church. So we do need to have these conversations so we have a clear, um, at least minimal approach to the church and state. And that's what we haven't had. Like we had it in the older Protestant movement, which is what gave rise, I would argue, to America. And you had a clear, a clearer, I mean, there's debates back then just like there is now. But they had the, an understanding of this book right here, The Doctrine of Lesser Magistrates, for instance. Um, a proper resistance to tyranny in a repudiation of unlimited obedience to civil government. This was something the um, Protestant reformers, not all of them equally, but, you know, Calvin taught. And, and it's, he gave them the theology that later was, was cashed out by Edmund Burke and kind of secularized by Locke and implemented by the founding fathers. 
that gave us the, the parts of this nation that allowed for this balance of liberty and law. Um, that's the very roots of that or what's being under sea, basically being taken over. And so the Christian nationalist debate is, is saying, where are we with this? Where do we go from here? And, and there's been a loser mentality, a loser theology that's been rampant in the evangelical church that says, no, we just lose down here. We need to make our peace with it and snatch as many souls from the fire as possible on the way out. Um, and if that's the case, biblically, then that's true, right? We need to acquiesce. But I don't, what if that's not the case biblically? What if that's actually um, an implementation of an unbiblical kind of pacifism and a misunderstanding and application of Romans 13 and other passages like that? Mm-hmm. Uh, what if Christians are supposed to um, be involved in forming government and forming culture in addition to saving souls? Yeah rescuing souls. Any thoughts so far on that, what I'm saying? Yeah, I think I think it's spot on. Making disciples of all nations means being involved in right. all spheres. And if you were pastoring a church and what are we what are we saying when we say Christians should not get involved in politics? Should <laughs> politicians right. stay out of church? Well how do how do what do we mean by that? Not right. get involved, therefore should politicians not be Christians? I mean, you know, how do you, what do you, what are the implications of that kind of thinking? So right, anyway, right. And there have been, been some people that have went that, that far as really like, you know, say, you know yeah, okay. politics is dirty. You don't, we shouldn't even be involved in it as Christians or, you know, there, there's all, all sorts of perspectives that have been put out there. Yeah. And I think, I guess I'm saying it that circles that have not caught on to this conversation sure. or debate, maybe, I don't know. They just haven't heard of it, like you said. Your dad hasn't, or I, I, I would venture to say, can I say this? <laughs> Most of my demographic or my family members, yeah. I probably have never heard of the topic either. But sure. I think there's a lack of connecting the dots to what there does is, it mean. Yeah. And then when you hear a topic like that, yep, it has, a, you know what I mean, yep. a cultural stigma to it, and it's like yep. that means this. And so we just. We're living in the time where we need to get over that and just get to the bottom of the substance of things. Right. What does it mean and what are the implications? And yeah. So, and, and I think you're right. And care. Yes. Care enough to to know. I think you're my, right that there's there is a disconnect between the guys that are having this debate and kind of the normal, you know, everyday Christian in the pew. Yeah. And and why they should care. And I think, you know, it it has to happen on two levels. You have to kind of map out the theory at a high level, but you also have to have like a very practical game plan and get, get the church at large on board. Cause we really are in this, um, battle like the, with existential, um, matters involved, like the, the very future of the nation and yeah. the church. And, you know, we saw that in Canada, we saw that in Europe, like the, the depth that these folks are willing to go through. And we have to, we can't be caught flat footed again, cause we're in between right now. We're in between cycles of craziness, you know? But it feels like, I don't know, do you feel like that? It feels like we're kind of in between waves of hurricanes coming through. You know, those growing up in Florida, you, some years you would get like three hurricanes would come through. And you have the in-between times, you know. And it feels like that for me right now. Okay. So in the in-between times, the, yeah. the wise thing to do is to prepare for the next one that's coming. Okay. We, know, we know the game plan now. We know more are coming, especially as election season comes back up, right? Yeah. 
Um, and so we have to we have to map this out. We have to get on the same page. And I think the guys that are advocating Christian nationalism are saying, yeah, we know that this term has been used by the left to tarnish, yeah. but it's actually been flipped. And there's a lot of people jumping on behind this banner now and pushing forward. And there's actually momentum and we need to embrace the label um, and figure out as we go kind of deal. And I get that. And then you have this. This is why I think it's worth responding to, though. So you had many people in the church who right, rightfully saw, began at least, many of them late, but they saw woke movement and they, and they began to push back on it. But now there's a major branch of that group that's pushing back on it that are now trying to basically throw a lot of shade at the Christian nationalist movement. Okay. So there, there's this, it's hard to say if it's coordinated or if, the, but it feels like there's a campaign right now in the last just couple weeks mm-hmm. to really, really um, squash the Christian nationalist movement. And many of the people that have been against critical theory are involved in that okay. squashing. And it's, it's weird because it's kind of like in the mainstream world where many of our friends are doing great work in apologetics and kind of like the people that you would be aware of and, and hear of, they're getting, they're getting sort of the soundbite straw men versions of Christian nationalism oh, yeah, presenting okay. to them. So they're kind of joining the chorus of like, oh yeah, that's crazy. So this is how it's happening. Here's the, here's the thing. It's like, it gets stated like this. Well, you had critical theory on the one side. Now you've got Christian nationalism, which is the racist um, white version of wokeness. Yeah. And we need to get back to just preaching the gospel. That's how it's being set up. That's why I think it's worth taking the time to really go into the details of it, because I think this is being presented in a way that's not accurate of the guys that are actually leading the movement and their, okay. their viewpoints. Okay. Um, it's being straw manned and caricatured. Now, I'm not even advocating the label for myself. I don't really care. I'm, I don't like that label necessarily. But whatever label you adopt, if that's the one that's working and it's defined properly, then great. If, if it's another one, as long what, what really matters here is to have a proper understanding of a public theology of culture and politics. And that's, what, that's what the water is being thrown on. And the, the outcome of that is to... Um, make the church impotent in this battle. Now, I don't know that the, I'm not saying that those guys, that that's their motive. Some of them are authentic and they're understanding that that's, that's just really the way they see Christianity in the Bible. Who knows? Um, there could be some other guys that that's their, that's their goal. Either way, the outcome of that is to stop the church from having an impact right now and really pushing back on the darkness. Mm, I see. And so I don't think it'll do to um, sit around and merely just cry about the next woke thing that happens. There has to be something positive offered in its place. And I think that there is a biblical um, understanding that that is a Christendom. It's not just Christianity, but it's the rule of Christ over every sphere of life. And thankfully, these guys are trying to at least do some of that work and recover some of the Reformation ideas in that vein and then push them forward. And sometimes it's going under the heading of Christian nationalism. What, what I want to help put my hand toward is to say, this is a great moment. We're seeing the craziness not to, not to back off the momentum that has been created in the guys in the pews that are ready to now take some action properly from a biblical perspective to step back in the public square and do what we need to do 
to stem the tide and put something positive in its place. Okay. With all that being said, I do think there are other things that are going to be good to talk about. We, we have to continue to do this, but, I, but we, do need to, we do need to craft a positive view. So one of the things I'm thinking about this uh, next month Douglas Wilson, his book, uh, Mere Christendom, is coming out. Okay. And so if, if you're listening to this podcast, I want to hear back from you guys on this. You can go to, uh, I think it's freemind.fm, our website, or hit us up at Instagram. But just reach out and let us know if you'd be interested in being part of a book club on that, because I'm thinking about, instead of spending every episode here like on, on that, maybe we could do like a sidebar discussion and go into more depth. And then I could just kind of touch on it here, but I, I would love to to go through that with some of our listeners if you'd be interested. Pre, please just reach out, and let me know. If not, we'll just uh, we'll go through it ourselves. <laughs> but if I got some people that are interested, I'd like to do that. So, um, but basically, what I wanted to do on this episode, finally, after all all these back and forth on Twitter, a, a group of guys got together. William Wolf is one of them. Joel Webbin from Right Response Ministries. There's a few guys involved. Mm-hmm. I don't think they started. It was a guy named Dustin. Uh, I forget his last name now. But they basically crafted a statement on Christian nationalism. Good. Now, Good. we'll see this, too. Like, this was... Uh, this is, yeah, I want yeah, to hear what... I saw even Neil Shinvey, um quoted it and said, this is actually good and it's worth reading. Like, awesome. he, was po- he was more positive on this than he was on Stephen Wolf's book on Christian nationalism. Okay. Um, now, this, is, this one was crafted more by guys in the Baptist realm. So it's going to have a slightly different, because there, there's reasons for that, um, um, why the Presbyterian version is going to be different than the Baptist version. But they're, what they're trying to do here, it included Presbyterian re- reform guys as, as, as well, I believe, possibly. But they're trying to make a big enough tent to include this whole group, the Douglas Wilson camp, the Joe Boot camp, the, all these guys, but with enough specificity to still give marching orders and to still say, here's what the Bible says. So we may not have time to read through the whole thing, but I would encourage you to do this if you're listening. Go through and read the whole thing. Even read it with your family. Discuss it. If you have a relationship with your pastor, I think it's worth reading. This is a, It's still in draft form. They're asking for responses. But what I looked for, over and saw in this draft form, I actually was really encouraged and thought it was, was, was really good. And I'd be interested because I know you haven't had a chance to read it. So I'd be interested okay. to hear what you what think is it, of like it. like a manifesto kind of thing? Yeah, it's sort of like, um, well, yeah, I'll, let me let me read this real okay. quick and, and, and you'll see kind of the flavor of it. So if you want to grow in your confidence in knowing what you believe and why you believe it, if you want to ground your faith in biblical Christianity and step into who God has called you to be, I want to tell you about a great program put on by Impact 360, and it's called Propel. Propel is a one-week transformational leadership and discipleship experience where high school students gather together to be grounded in a biblical worldview as they learn how to follow Jesus, have a godly influence, learn how to disciple their peers, and boldly live out their faith in their daily lives. So they're having two sessions this summer. The first one is June 19th through the 25th, and the second one is June 26th through July 2nd. These programs fill up really quickly, and I promise you, you will not be disappointed. So we'll put the link below if you're interested in looking into it, and we'll see you this summer. The Statement on Christian Nationalism and the Gospel, a draft version. So here's the definition. You know, they've been talking about definitions, right? Needing the definition. Here it is. 
Christian nationalism is a set of governing principles rooted in Scripture's teaching on Christ's rule as Supreme Lord and King of all creation. Amen. So it's go- a set of governing principles rooted in Scripture, okay? On teaching on Christ's rule. Who has ordained civil magistrates with delegated authority to be under him over the people to order their ordained jurisdiction by punishing evil and promoting good for his own glory and the common good of the nation. And they reference a list of scriptures here. So Isaiah 9, 6 through 7, uh, John 1, 1 through 3, 335. I won't read them all here, but you can look at that when you, when you read through this. So far, I think the definition is a great starting point, right? Yeah. It's simple. It's clear. Here's the introduction. While Christian nationalism is primarily concerned with the righteous rule of the civil magistrate, Christian nationalism is not just for magistrates, just as submitting to Christ's lordship is not just for magistrates, but for all people. After the Lord Jesus declared his sovereign authority in Matthew 28, 18, he gives the great commission and commands his followers empowered by his everlasting presence to make disciples of all nations and to baptize them and to teach them to obey all that I have commanded, Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Our Lord did not exclude all civil authorities' devoted allegiance. We recognize the existence of other definitions of Christian nationalism. We certainly do not endorse every iteration of Christian nationalism and explicitly repudiate some such forms, as will be evident in our affirmations and denials. You may sign this document and delineate if you affirm civil authorities legislating both tables of the law or only the second table after the article. So basically what they're saying, there's been, you know, some discussion. Many people are leery of like saying, man, we shouldn't enforce the first table of the law of the Ten Commandments. So we shouldn't have blasphemy laws. We shouldn't enforce, you know, Uh, no idolatry. So they're saying some, some like Joel Webb believes you should enforce like Sabbath laws, for instance, blasphemy laws, which Sabbath laws were on the books in some states and the founding are still on some of the books in some states. They just aren't enforced anymore. But um, others would say, no, 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 we should only enforce the second table of law, you know, having to do with killing, adultery, stealing, that kind of thing. They're saying what are you? Whatever view on that, you both groups can be can have a seat at this table in this version of Christian nationalism. You don't have to subscribe to all ten hmm. commandments being enforced in, from the civil magistrate. You could be a second table guy only and still sign this document. The other thing that they basically covered here um, was they're saying, you know, this is this is not saying that Christian nationalism means that the church is the state or that the, st- the state is trying to enforce um, Christianity proper on people as far as like the sword, like bat- be baptized and, you know, accept the Lord or we kill you. That's not it. That They're just clarifying those types of things. So uh, let's go on. They, they mentioned the list of authors here. Here's, the, here's their list of affirmations and denials, okay? Number one, the source of truth. We affirm that the Bible is God's word breathed out by him as the only sufficient, certain, inerrant, infallible, necessary, and final authority for all saving knowledge, faith, what we must believe, and obedience, how we must live. All truth claims and ethical standards must be tested by God's final word, which is scripture alone. We affirm that the Bible is perspicuous in all essential matters. It just means clear. It's clear in all essential matters. That's a you know classic reform position. We deny 
that true beliefs, good character, or good conduct can be dictated by any authority other than God's revelation. And they give some scripture references here, six scripture references. Two, Orthodox Christian faith. We affirm the Orthodox Christian faith as defined by the historic creeds, the Apostle Creed, Nicene Creed, etc. We deny that Orthodoxy is defined by any particular confessions. That one's probably going to be worked out a little bit, but you know they're, they're saying we're in line with these historic creeds that most branches of Christianity accept. Uh, number three here, the standard of justice. We affirm that God's word is authoritative on everything to which it speaks. And we affirm that God's word speaks abundantly regarding the nature and importance of civil government and justice. See, that, that's a good thing here because one of the bad arguments against the woke ideology is like we should just preach the gospel. Um, we shouldn't get involved in matters of social justice. That's not actually a good response because the scripture has a lot to say about justice. Uh, the better response is, no, social justice as defined in the woke movement is actually anti-biblical justice because it trades on equality of outcomes and giving racial partiality toward that end mm-hmm. rather than blind impartiality toward anybody poor or rich, whatever ethnicity, according to yeah. standards and principles of God's law. That's biblical justice. Mm-hmm. So the, the response should never be, no, we just preach the gospel. No, we preach the whole Bible okay. and apply yeah. it to every part of life with gospel at the center. So as we're saying, the standard of justice here, we affirm that God's moral law is enduring and binding on all people. That's, that's a good point too. Like God's moral law, that's why he would judge in the old Testament nations based on his moral law. Um, now he didn't judge them the same as he judged Israel according to every specific he had given them in the Mosaic law at that point. But there were a lot of overlap with the 10 commandments and things he judged other nations by because God's law at bottom, he said, in Romans is made clear to even the pagan, and they are judged by that law. So there's no like neutral ground where human beings can exist and, and nations can exist outside of God's law and his regulation. So um, in essence, you know, we affirm that God's moral law is enduring and binding on all people, including civil magistrates and nations throughout all time, mm. and that it is summarily comprehended in the Ten Commandments. And I think that's right. Like you see those, the other nations being judged by their murder, their their lack of regard for his sexual ethics is built in the creational norms, all those kinds of things. People argue about the Sabbath and those elements, but I'll leave that out for now. Um, this is just given the broad stroke. So um, we further affirm that every political thought must be taken captive to the obedience of Christ. We deny that there is any objective standard by which to discern justice from injustice outside of God's revelation. Written on the heart and most perfectly revealed in Scripture. Now, this is an important point because they're, they're, they're saying God's revelation in nature and conscience as well as Scripture. So they're using both um, God's word in creation, God's word in Scripture. That's an important point. Okay. Um, and, and there's a reason for that we can, we can touch on later, but they're saying they're like, they're outside of God's revelation. There's no way to discern between justice and injustice. And that's true. And this idea that you can, um, appeal to a standard without God and without it being rooted in his character and revelation to us mm. through nature and, and through special revelation is non-existent. And we need to recognize that. 
Let's go to this next sentence here. We deny that governing officials may rule autonomously from from outside of the rule of Christ, and we deny that Christians may embrace any political ideology or position that is not rooted in Scripture. Now, that would be huge if our churches taught that. It needs to be rooted. <laughs> like your political yeah. positions can't—not because Grandma said it, not because, you know, it's better for my wallet. It needs to be wow. rooted in Scripture. Number four, the definition of a nation. We affirm that a nation is not merely an idea, abstract principle, or ideology, but tangibly defined by a particular people in a particular place. We affirm that a particular people are necessarily bound together by both a shared culture and history and may be comprised of multiple ethnicities while sharing common interests, virtues, language, and worship. We affirm in regards to place that a nation is definitively set by both its borders and times, physically defined by God as in Acts 17.26. Thusly, we affirm that nations should rightly maintain autonomous government and sovereign control of their people and place with the necessary rights and duties to, one, prioritize the safety, prosperity, and well-being of their defined, limited national citizenry first and foremost before seeking the good of non-citizens and the global population. Two, they should secure their borders. Three, they should punish evil within their sovereign territory. And four, establish a necessary defense against potential foreign adversaries. There's a lot there There that really could be unpacked. Um, that's really good, actually. Like, I think five years ago, I I would have been like, I would have bucked against some of that. But after having studied this the last five years, I'm like, you know what? That's actually, that's actually what a nation, just like a family, your first priority is take care of your family. Right. Um, and so, you know, my priority, if we had kids, isn't to go to the next door neighbor and tell them how to take care of their kids. And, uh, you know, it's like you start here and you work outwards. Um, we deny that a nation should cede its sovereignty to international bodies that may subvert the will of the national interest for a global order. Now, that's what's happening, right? Mm-hmm. You have these puppets installed and on both sides of the aisle, rhinos and, and Democrats. You have King Charles just crowned. You know, he's a globalist stooge. And um, these guys are all involved in this, and they want to— they eradicate national boundaries and basically put it together in this globalist utopia. We deny any efforts to establish a one world governmental system before the return of Christ as such efforts are a modern day reenactment of the tower of Babel. We further deny that sovereign nations must be composed of mono ethnic populations to be united under God. So they're denying that it needs to be a, that this is not a white nationalism. Yeah. It could be multi-ethnic, but shared virtues, shared principles, shared place, shared, you know, over time living, living together. So, um, therefore, as Christian nationalists, we utterly repudiate sinful ethnic partiality in all its various forms. So this is a clear statement. You know, people yeah. have been saying They're denounce racism. Yeah. You know, this is a, this is a clear statement that. Yeah. Denounces all sinful ethnic partiality, and that those each one of those words is true. Sinful, uh, like is is needed. You know the sinful kind of ethnic partiality, um, in all its various forms. So, number five, we affirm that in addition to processing the titles of Savior, Messiah, and many others, Jesus, the Son of God, who is truly God, 
is also the king of all earthly kings, the Lord of all earthly lords, and the lawmaker for all earthly lawmakers. He is the possessor of all authority in heaven and on earth. We affirm that as God, Jesus Christ, he is preeminent over all creation, sovereignly rules over all things, visible, visible in heaven, earth, and hell, and ordains all things according to the counsel of his perfect will for the good of those who are in him. In his mediatorial rule, Christ rules by his spirit and word through earthly authority. Oh, that's good through earthly authority, mm -hmm. which he divinely has ordained to execute his will on the earth to orient humankind towards himself. We affirm that Christ alone through the blood of his cross grants repentance and forgiveness of sins to reconcile sinners to his father. That's good, right? That's really awesome. So I think that's what we've been, we've been setting that theology yeah. up for the past couple of years is like really when biblical. we say Jesus is king, he's not just king in my heart. Mm. And we say he is king, king of kings. Of he's actually king of kings. And they do well like yes. Psalm 2 to kiss the son, lest he become angry. And that's mm. not just in the eschaton. That's a, that's a command to these rulers now, these yeah. magistrates. So uh, to continue with the de denial okay. section. It says, we deny any theology which would seek to segregate sacred aspects of life mm. where God's word is authoritative and supposedly secular aspects of life where the Christian must operate by a standard other than God's word. We deny any theology which claims that bringing God's word into the civil sphere is unwise, mm. unfruitful, sinful, or anything other than fitting and required. We deny that Jesus's kingship and lordship are merely heavenly or that his word is only authoritative over confessing Christians. Yeah. It's good. That, right? Yeah. That, that it gets, comes against the yes. tyranny for sure. Yeah. And it's they, good. and they explode the sacred secular yeah. dichotomy myth. Right. So that's right on. That um, really is. Number six. Okay. The identity of civil officials and the source of their authority. Will you read the affirmation here? Okay. We affirm that civil officials are God's deacons of justice. And that's what it says in Romans, actually, when you look at it, the word, the, the civil authorities are deacons of mm -hmm. God. But go ahead. Okay. Therefore. Therefore, they must obey his commands and rule under his authority. We affirm that all human authorities, including civil officials, possess authority only as it has been delegated to them by God and accordingly are accountable to him for how they wield their delegated authority in accordance with God's prescriptions for civil government as revealed in his word. Yep. And the denial. And we deny the authority of civil officials and documents to contradict what God has said in his word or to govern beyond the bounds God's word has established. For now, them. do you see the importance Let me see. of we that statement right there? Ooh, yes. So what that means is if you accept that denial, that means when the government comes in, they said, mm -hmm. hey, we have this authority, this pandemic yeah. and we demand that you shut down. And we don't have the evidence to show that like 50% of people are dying for this. We just, you do it and you're not allowed to sing worship songs. At this point you say, no, um, you're outside of the bounds of your established sphere, your sphere of authority. Oh boy. So you have these spheres. Remember we talked about this with uh, Linux on that podcast where he said you have the sphere of civil government, you have church government, you have family government, you have self-government at the bottom of them all. Um, and so the civil government has its bounds. And that's what this says. We deny any attempt to step over those bounds of the civil government. 
and when they present a law that is opposed to God's law. I remember Martin Luther King was famously said that, you know, quoting actually, I think it was Augustine, but I can't remember who he's quoting, but he said an unjust law is no law at all. And what is justice defined by? God's law. So if it's not in line with God's law, they don't have authority in that law. Mm. That's an important point. So mm-hmm. um, they go through the duty of civil civil authorities here. I'm going to skip that for now. Let's talk about the purpose of, of civil government. Can you read this affirmation? Okay. The purpose of civil government. We affirm that God's purpose for civil government is to orient citizens towards the true and eternal through the establishment of justice for his glory and the good of his image bearers, whether or not they possess saving faith. We affirm that unjust laws, those which permit child sacrifice, debauch a people and that just laws often have an evangelistic impact. Mm-hmm. And the denial? We deny that the purpose of civil government is to establish a secular, neutral, godless order. Mm. Boy, we deny that any government is capable of neutrality because every individual and system has moral preferences and functional gods, ultimate allegiances and ultimate standards by which they judge reality. We further deny that the natural law is a standard different or apart from God's moral and universal law summarily comprehended in the Ten Commandments. Yeah. So this is a this is a denial of the idea that you can have this naked, you know, secular public sphere, right? And so they're saying it's not whether but which. Yeah, and that's good because it's you know, what's that? Just live, let live. Just have your your pietism and let right. people do what they're gonna do. Right. But when it's um, people in government doing what they're going to do, yeah, man. <laughs> it, it, it's, it has its impact. So yes. I get it. And that's what we're living in now. I yep. Guess, so. And they're always going to do according to what their they're God is, do, right? And so everybody's going to do according to their <laughs> gods. Exactly. Okay. So, you know, and, and I like this part too, where it says the purpose of the government is to orient citizens toward the true mm. and eternal. You, you know, it does that at orient, establishes justice in the land. So if justice is defied by God's word, then it follows that you want to implement his ways because his ways are just. And you know, that first tweet that you read really speaks of this. They're implementing their laws according to their God and making it so that we come under their quote unquote authority. And it's their their version of blasphemy laws, right? You'll say this and you won't say this. Mm, That's good. Um, let's see, let me see how much, uh, time we got here left. Actually, we probably need to wrap it up here. I just want to mention these last ones. They really are. It's thoughtful. It's much needed for sure. Yes. And this is, um, I think just even just reading it, it's like, who you, you, you've not heard this kind of thing. It's in scripture. Yeah, and they have they have scripture references by each point as well. Yeah. They talk about the, the uses, the use of the law. And the difference between law and gospel. It's, I think it's, I don't know, I think it's a, a great start. It's honestly yeah. something I could put my, my name behind. Mm-hmm. And so I think, um, you know, I would, I would recommend like sit down, read it with your family, 
discuss it, you know, debate it. Um, give these guys feedback. If you feel like you can sign it too, pass it on to other people in your church. And hey, if this is the umbrella that God puts to get behind. Yeah. yeah did you have something to add Yeah, to I was just thinking as you read it, consider its opposite. Consider yeah. like sometimes contrasting things. Yeah. Read it and then think of the contrast situation in regards to those paragraphs and it really will put it in perspective. Yeah, no, that's good, babe. You know, government, we, we have examples of, <laughs> of governments that are not abiding under God, yeah. you know, and so you, you see that. And so just bring bring it home. Yes. It's opposite. Yeah, compare and contrast. Compare show, and contrast. Show and tell. Yeah. Show and tell. You know, it's funny because honestly, as I'm reading this, it's yeah, like it's, it's, a, it's, it's like a distillation of everything we've been talking about ooh. for the past couple of years and put in really succinct form. And I think a helpful way, and I think you're exactly right, babe. It's like put that up against what we're seeing. And that's why, you know, a lot of people have been saying, like, basically, you have Christian nationalism or tranny nationalism are the options right now. You have drag queen story hour or you have, you know, the law of God in the land. Like, what, what's, what's your choice? And so, you know, just uh, not whether but which, by what standard, all these things are just just fundamental things to be teaching each other teaching your children so hopefully this is helpful we'll try to we'll try to get you guys on some new topics as well but let me know for sure if you're interested in uh kind of going deeper on some of this stuff so you can you can um, understand it at a deeper level and be able to articulate it because we have to win over the church too and i think the people most i think a lot of the folks in the pew get that but there is this tendency even even the pew to back up to like uh eh, you start talking about exerting political power and there's a recoil from sure. it you know because we've been sort of indoctrinated in the pietistic viewpoint in the in the the, the truncated you know view of the gospel and so it's good that that's why i really wanted to give depth on this so when you run against the straw men versions you'll have a, a more robust understanding and you can um, kind of lead people into a, a, a more biblically robust viewpoint of church and state issues That's really good. so thanks guys for being with us this week and uh, yeah hit us up hit us up I ain't heard from y'all some of y'all in a while so we'd love to just hear some feedback and, and where you're at what you're going and what you want to hear about and all that kind of good stuff so thanks so much and we'll see you next yes. time